You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I had an amazing weekend last weekend in Beaumont, Texas, where I spoke with Jay Warner Wallace and Tim Barnett, and uh, it was an amazing apologetics conference. Today I was supposed to have a guest, but uh, she was sick, so we are going to, we're postponing that interview. So I went and I, I saw this article in the New York Times recently. And I wanted to talk about it because it's it touched a nerve because I it's about it's the title of the article is the day the day new queer cinema said, quote, let's do this. So it's about queer cinema at the Sundance Film Festival. And it just reminded me of where I used to be in the dark because and I'll get into that later, but I'll talk about just kind of the kind of projects that I was working on and writing and trying to promote and trying to get made. I'll talk about some of those and, um, and you'll see, I mean, you'll see how when you're in the dark, you think you're doing what's right. (laughs) But when God redeems you and brings you into the light, you realize, wow, that was horrific. And I'm so glad those projects didn't get made but let's let's talk about a little bit about this new queer cinema. Uh, in this article by Eric Pippenberg, it starts off by saying, 30 years after a panel at the Sundance Film Festival, some of the artists and journalists who helped ignite the LGBTQ film movement take stock. So Sundance, I've, I've been to Sundance twice. Uh, I was there one time for a film I was in. I had a small part in a film called Treasure Island. It's it's not the Treasure Island you think of. It was a very like art film. It won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance. So I f- can't remember what year that was, but I was there. I was at Sundance for that. And then I was at Sundance for another project I was trying to get off the ground, which I'll get into in a minute. And... uh so I, I've been I've been around the block at Sundance. I know I know that festival very well. It's in Park City, Utah, if you don't know, and it's kind of like the indie film. It's Sundance is like if you if you direct an indie film, it's like it's getting it into Sundance is a huge thing. It's a huge deal. It's like the best film festival, basically indie film festival, and so. He goes on to say in this article, on January 25th, 1992, the Sundance Film Festival convened a panel on contemporary lesbian and gay cinema and the, quote, the significance of this movement. It was a bold declaration that drew nine speakers to a dais at noon, even though they were probably hung over from the big party the night before where Brad Pitt showed up. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, and this panel is called, was called the barbed wire kisses panel. And it was a turning point for queer film 
as it's called. And not just because of the activist-driven identity cinema particulars it covered, there was talk of, quote, having to rethink history according to our terms, as the director Todd Haynes said during the discussion. Todd Haynes is a, a film director, and he's directed many kind of, most of almost all of it. Todd Haynes is gay, and most of his movies are gay-themed. Uh, but he did that movie Carol with Kate Blanchett. He did the movie. Um, he did the Barbie movie. I forgot it was. Uh, it was a Barbie film, and he also did um, Far from Heaven, which was another gay themed film. Where in Far from Heaven, the the husband is gay. It's set in the '60s, and um, the husband turns out to be gay. And anyway, and it's, I think it's uh, with. Um, Oh gosh, I can't think of the actress. Uh, anyway, it's a it's a, a gay themed film. So then um, he goes on to say, "What happened that day in 1992 was a flashpoint in the genesis of new queer cinema, a call to arms of angry and unapologetic independent films that were made during the 90s and arguably for a community in crisis." So just notice that, you know, that there's such a heart of rebellion in the film. Just the fact that he he says that it was a call to arms of angry and unapologetic independent films. So there's such a heart of anger and bitterness and rebellion in that community. And I, I, I know that because I was part of that and I was aware of that very much. Um, and so this new queer cinema has just turned 30 the, the, since, that, since 1992. And one of the films that was kind of a groundbreaking gay film was called Paris is Burning. It was a documentary. And I remember I saw it at the, in the theater in 1980. I think it came out in 1987. And it was directed by Jenny Livingston. And it was about the drag culture, the drag balls in New York City. So there were these balls where um, basically African-American guys would dra- dress up in drag. And it was up in Harlem, I think. And they would, you know, it was all about these balls that they would go to and they would compete in these balls and win trophies. And that's where the show, there was a show called Pose um, that Ryan Murphy created. And that show is based on this documentary, documentary Paris is Burning. And I remember when I saw this movie in the in the eighties, late eighties, I was just like, "Wow!" Like it just opened up this whole crazy world to me. And I remember thinking how good it was. And um, so that Paris is burning. And then he goes on to say that oh, Lisa, there there was a a writer from the Village Voice, which is kind of the it's a newspaper. It's like a a left leaning newspaper in in New York City, and it's a, a, like the Greenwich Village, the Village Voice. And the this woman Lisa Kennedy is the one who was credited with naming that name New Queer Cinema. And it goes on to say the New Queer Cinema didn't tug at the heart; it kicked the crotch. Wow, I just noticed that I said that. So again, it's just like this rebellious, like angry, revolutionary sort of 
um, kind of ethos about about gay films. And it says it's AIDS themed films, especially they were the storm after the calm of earlier life affirming movies that mourn the young dead, like longtime companion, which in 1989 politely asked straight people to pay attention. Um, and so I guess, I guess gay films before this were um, too polite. <laughs> and so now they were, they were getting angry and, and, uh, and then it talks about, and Todd Haynes, it talks about Todd Haynes again. And Todd Haynes said that what distinguished new queer cinema was that its films were acts of protest and rebellion. Again, there's that rebelliousness, that rebellious heart, that rebellious spirit, uh, in, in the gay world. And, um, it goes on to say that, that and Todd Haynes says there was a spirit of challenging normalcy and heteronormativity and identifying with criminality. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but yeah, it was basically these films were intended to normalize homosexual behavior and homosexual identity. And that's why, I mean, I talk about this all the time. It's like movies are the most powerful persuasion tool there is. There's nothing more powerful than a movie or TV to change people's minds and hearts. And I've talked about this a lot on the show. And there's also, they mentioned a movie in here by this guy named Bruce LaBruce, and it's called Hustler White. And I remember seeing that movie in LA when I moved here. It was, I don't know when it came out, early 90s. But Hustler White was basically a movie about a gay hustler. And it was very disturbing and graphic. I remember just my friends and I were like, what? It was very graphic and um, terrible. Terribly made, too. And it says that this there's a retrospective of, of queer cinema that's going to be at UCLA, at UCLA, at the Film and Television Archive in Los Angeles. And of course, UCLA is going to celebrate queer cinema. And of course, this is just more indoctrination of young people into this idea that we should celebrate it and we should, you know, we should, this, it should be this amazing, crazy celebration of homosexual behavior. And that's nothing new in the culture, as we know. And then... Um, the article goes on to talk about, you know, call me by your name or call me. Yeah. Call me by your name, which was that movie that came out, I think a couple of years ago. Um, that was, it was a gay film, basically uh, like a gay love story. And, and so what I was going to talk about with, in terms of my participation in all of this is before I was saved 12 years ago, I mean, I genuinely thought making gay themed films or TV shows was good because it would, um, again, normalize homosexual behavior and it would open the eyes. I thought of, of the rest of America, like that, that was my, so I, one of the projects I worked on, I won't say the title cause it's, it's too, I don't like the title, 
but it was basically we had uh, my best friend at the time and I had this idea of driving around in a convertible, driving around the country and exploring gay culture in America, going to big cities, small towns all over America. And this was in the early, very early 2000s where homosexuality was still not quite uh, ubiquitous. It still wasn't kind of accepted fully in the culture. It, it was still very, very taboo. So our goal was to kind of shine a light on gay culture in America and try to show Americans like how amazing gay culture is. And we had, we met with the producers who produced drag race with RuPaul. They've been his managers for years and years. And we met with them, these two guys, and they really loved the idea and, uh, but they wanted to change some things and, and, but, it ended up not happening, and I'm so thankful that that didn't happen. I'm so glad I wasn't a part of that. And then, I mean, I I wrote a spec screenplay called Grand Lake about um, – this was a, kind of a summer place where my mother grew up. And basically, it was all about kind of a, a – it was a gay-themed movie about a father and a son having – this kind of terrible, terrible relationship because the son is gay. It's kind of based on my dad. We didn't have a terrible relationship, but it was loosely based on my life. And, and then uh, in the film, the mother commits suicide. And so the father and son have to come together at the, this summer cabin in Grand Lake. And they end up completely reconciling after a lot of drama goes on. So again, another gay theme film. And then I, I, I dated back in the day in the nineties, I dated this Italian guy and it was a very tumultuous, very um, dramatic relationship. And he lives in Rome. I live here. And so it was this long distance relationship. It was, it was fraught from the beginning. And uh, anyway, it ended with me kind of in Rome fleeing to the airport to Leonardo da Vinci airport and flying back to LA. And, uh, and so I wrote a screenplay about that and I wanted to get that movie made again, just to show that, you know, just to kind of, uh, have a a movie about a gay love story. Um, even though it was a disastrous love story. (laughs) And then I wrote another spec screenplay about, it was another gay themed screenplay that I wrote which I won't tell you the story of uh, it's too long to get into. But the point is, is I, again, I was in the dark and I didn't know the truth. So I thought that I was helping society. I thought I was doing good by trying to get gay theme projects off the ground and trying to get, you know, American audiences to see these, these films or these TV shows. Um, And so when, you know, when my old friends who were kind of running this town and creating shows like this, it's like, I can't really, I can't really blame them as much as like, we want to, you know, hate them for doing that. It's like, as I've said this, I said this before on the show, it's like, they're in the dark as well. Like, and so they think like Ryan Murphy thinks he he's created Glee and all these other gay theme shows, Pose and 
many, many, many things. Um, but uh, they think that they're doing good. They think that they're doing something really good for society and helping normalize something that they see as righteous and good and even holy because it's now a sacrament in marriage or quote-unquote sacrament. So I get it. And praise God. I mean, praise God that people, my family was praying for me for 20 years and that God answered those prayers and plucked me out of darkness and into his light and saved me and gave me eternal life and made me an heir to God, a co-heir with Christ. And I'm now united to Christ. So now on the day, on the last day, when Christ returns, I will stand in, ju- in the judgment. I, 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 because I am righteous through the blood of Christ, I'm, de- I'm declared righteous. <laughs> and so that's an incredible thing that on the last day, I will be declared righteous before a holy God. And if you're not united to Christ on that last day, you will not be able to stand before a holy God. And so I just, anyway, I just praise God that he saved me out of all of this. I mean, this is, this is stuff that I was so into. This is stuff that I, I mean, if I had, if I had gotten gay themed films into Sundance, I would have been thrilled. I would have been so thrilled. In fact, the one, the, the one film that I was in at Sundance, I forgot the scene I'm in, I play a gay character. I just remembered that. Um, so yeah, I did, I did promote that. Uh, so Anyway, I hope that helps. I hope that helps you kind of more fully understand the mindset of of the culture and people who are creating this kind of content that is promoting the gay narrative or promoting LGBTQ. I hate all those acronyms or that acronym, but promoting all that stuff. I hope that kind of gives you a better insight into it. And all we can do as believers, as Christians is love our neighbors, love these people and pray for them because it's easy to get angry at them. It's easy to, to like shake our fists and be like, ah, you crazy, stupid, you idiot. But we have to remember that it's there, but for the grace of God, go I like it's only by God's grace that we are in his kingdom and that we understand the truth. And so we have to understand that. And and have compassion and love for our gay neighbors and and uh, pray for them. Pray for them, f- for God to open their eyes. I mean, I pray for Ryan Murphy all the time because he controls so much of the content in Hollywood. And if he becomes a Christian, that would just be amazing because uh, that content would no longer happen. But uh, yeah, so next week... I will be interviewing, who am I interviewing next week? Natasha Crane about her new book, which I mentioned before, but um, that will be next week. And thank you for joining and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beckett Cook Show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of the Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com.
You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared to You podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared to Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.